Off and away, huh? That's right. On another mission. Hey, thanks for listening to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Alvazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Why don't you go ahead and give us calls? 499-9526. And, of course, that's area code 225, just in case you happen to be outside our calling area. That's right, and we're still giving this caller a free T-shirt. That's right. Whoever calls to the furthest point, we will send you an Agco T-shirt absolutely free and without any responsibilities. I think we got a Phoenix, Arizona last week, wasn't it? Yes, sir. Uh, actually, Mesa, Arizona. Mesa. Yes, sir. Nice gentleman. Listens to us on iHeartRadio. Yeah. Called in just to let us know he was out there. That's great. Yeah. yeah. I've got quite a few folks around the country that I hear from on email. There's a fella in Houston that I talk to on a pretty regular basis. He likes to tinker with his cars and uh-huh. all his friends' cars. So I hear from him almost on about a weekly basis. Yeah. And then there's a group of guys, New York and New Jersey, that I hear from pretty frequently. That's great. Yeah. Really kind of interesting, in I guess, in the world we live in today where you can be in touch with people all over the world. And Yeah, it used to not be that way. That's right. Kind of try to help people as best you can, get some information out there. Some good information. That's right. Unbiased. You know, just in case you don't call in today, don't care to call in, don't care to be on the radio. That's right. And maybe something occurs during the week and Mm -hmm. you need an answer to a question, you can visit our website and get your questions answered that way. Right. The address is www.agcoauto.com. That's Mm A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Easy way to remember that is take the acronyms Altazan's Garage Company. There's a contact bar on every page. You can send Lewis an email any time of the day or night. Just use the form on the site. Right. Couldn't be easier. And I guarantee you, you'll get an answer back within 24 hours. But most of the time, you're going to get an answer back within a couple of hours. During the day, I generally check that every three or four hours. Uh-huh. And in the afternoon, when I'm sitting there working at my computer, it may be even quicker than that. It's going to be a quick answer. It's not like you're going to send it off and have to wait four or five days. So right. don't be shy to do that. And the reason that I do that is because I do want to be in touch with folks. I do want to answer their questions, but I just can't take phone calls at the shop. So that's right. Right please, now, that away, that's the best way to call well, to get an answer. Because if you call me at the shop, 100% of my time is dedicated to the folks who are there who are paying my salary. Not to mention the, the five of us. That that's are, right. Shoving tickets at you all day. <laughs> right. The customers who are in the shop have to get all of my attention. So I can't break up a guy who's sitting there waiting on an estimate, waiting on parts to be delivered, waiting on getting his car expedited to chit-chat on the phone. Correct. And so that's why I provide you know both the radio show and the email. And both of those work out real well. If you don't have email, you can just wait Saturday morning and give us a call. That's right. Get you an actual honest answer, unbiased answer. Live and in person. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> and there's lots of other things you can do on that site. The detailed topics contain a tremendous amount of information on just general topics. For instance, I put one in there this morning on why does a vehicle ride rough. Uh-huh. And that's something that I guess we don't hear as much of that any longer as we did at one time because cars today, for the most part, ride pretty well. They do. Unless something's wrong. If something goes wrong, then the ride will be greatly diminished. I had a gentleman who had emailed me a while back. He said, what can you do to improve the ride on my, and I think he had a Ford pickup of some sort. Okay. And I said, well, we can diagnose the problem and correct whatever's wrong. He's, I bet that caught him way off guard. <laughs> it did. And he, I think, was expecting that we were going to add something to the car or modify something to make it ride better. Right. Which is almost never necessary just because cars do ride and trucks do ride very well as they're built right and ride is one of the characteristics they design into a vehicle for the most part it's ride capacity or load and cost Mm -hmm. and that's the three sides of the triangle and you can get any two of the three fairly easy (laughs) right but as you get two or three you can move further from the third for instance you can get a good ride 
by using a light suspension. However, that's going to give you less load capacity. Correct. But it will give you a good cost as well. Now, if you want to get a more load capacity, then you're going to move away from ride because you got to put heavier suspension in there. Correct. Now, if you want to get both good ride and low capacity, you have to go with some sophisticated technology, something like an airbag system that has a computer on board that can sense ride height and can inflate airbags and all that. Well, now you move further from the cost parameter. Correct. Not only in the initial cost, but the long-term maintenance cost. Folks who drive Lincoln Town cars or Navigators. They know that all too well. Yeah, vehicles with air suspension. It rides great. It is a good thing to have if you like that and you need that. But there is a price to be paid. Sure. You have airbags that dry rot and start leaking. You have pumps that go out. You have all these componentries on there that do fail over time and require replacement at which, large cost. Which is an extra cost to the maintenance of the vehicle. Well, that's exactly right. This vehicle, excuse me, this article goes in and it chronicles the first vehicles, which largely, say a T-Model Ford, had a straight front axle. Right. With a transverse leaf spring. Well, that met the criteria of the day. It was extremely durable. It was very cheap to manufacture. It rode like a wagon. Well, literally, because it, it was, was designed, I say, it was designed <laughs> as a wagon. It provided the high ride height that was necessary because the roads were really horrible back then. Correct. Didn't have paved roads for the most part. So you were riding on a dirt road or a gravel road, and it provided the ride height necessary to go through huge bumps and holes without breaking down. So it was good for the purpose. As the roads got better, people wanted a better ride, so they went to independent suspension, and the call spring, short, long arm front end pretty much dominated all through the 50s, 60s, 70s, up until the 80s. But when gas mileage became a big factor, and you need to lighten the cars up, these don't work quite as well on a very, very light car. So then they went to the McPherson strut suspensions, right. independent four-wheel, which is basically what we've got today. And this article goes in, tells you all about that, what is the difference in a shock and a strut, how to test a shock and a strut to know when they're worn out, that's easy. Just go to a place like for an oil change. That's it. <laughs> go to, to some place like for an oil change. You'll find out right away your oh, struts yeah. wore out. Oh, yeah. And certainly shocks and struts are some of the most oversold they items. Are. They really are. That are out there. One thing, this goes into this phenomenon of jounce rebound, which is what happens to produce a bad ride. When you hit something, there's a jounce and then there's a rebound. Uh-huh. And the shock absorber controls the jounce rebound. It doesn't actually improve the ride in and of itself. It also will not level the car out Correct. or it will not pick the car up. It doesn't support any weight, not the shock absorber. Right. It simply controls the jounce and rebound, which uh-huh. dampens out the oscillations and controls it from slamming up and down. So it's sort of, I guess, it in a way, it does provide a better ride, but in a roundabout kind of a way. Right. And then there are certain shocks right. that do carry load, well, carry lift. It's just a different type of shock. Well, what happens there is that the shock actually becomes a spring. Uh-huh. Because you put or, a separate component in there that actually becomes a spring, which actually supports the weight. The shock itself is still basically a basic shock, but it's combined with a spring in the form of a air, air chamber. Chamber, yes. Uh-huh. So go on there, read it, see what you think. I think you'll really like it and get a lot of good information. It's www.agcoauto.com if you don't like it i'll give you twice your money back <laughs> <laughs> let's go to the phone lines with alan good morning alan hey good morning lewis yes, sir. Uh, that article sounds so neat i know where i'm going as soon as i get off the phone uh-huh that is that's exactly up my alley right now but what i'm calling about uh-huh. is i'm looking for a 
used car for my son. Okay. And we're in the $3,500 range mm-hmm. looking at a Toyota Corolla. Yes, sir. Uh, to a Camry, something such as that. Mm-hmm. And was wondering, how many miles can we expect to get off these things? i tell you what, Alan. You're in a price range where you're not going to be able to be real picky because used cars, if you hadn't started looking yet, you're going to find out have really, really escalated in price in the last few years. Now, I'll give you a real good tip that works out real well. And because a lot of people don't know this, you can use this to your advantage. The Toyotas, Hondas, and such as that, the miles on them almost don't matter as long as the car was taken care of. What you want is the newest vehicle you can find because years are much, much harder on a car than the miles are. Now, that being said, to get a car in the $3,500 range, you're either going to be looking at a 14-, 15-year-old car or a car with 150-plus miles on it. The key is the 150-plus miles is no big deal. The 15 years is a huge deal. So you don't want an old car even with low mileage. Remember in the old days, everybody said, well, I got a little old lady's car. She just took it to church and back and yeah, 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 yeah. It's, yeah you know, I got a mother-in-law. Right. right. It's 20 years right. old, got 15,000 miles. It is war slam out. That's right. That's the worst car you can put your hands oh, on. It's gummed up. It's rusted up. Everything on it is leaking. And it's going to fall apart in about... Six, eight months? Right in front of you when you start using it. So knowing that, what you can do is try to find a fairly late model with a lot of miles on it. Reason being, a lot of miles means that they've driven it a whole lot, which is great. That's ideal conditions. Other than that, you need to bring it in. Let us do an inspection on it just to make sure this particular car doesn't have a problem, like somebody ran it out of coolant and blew a head gasket or it's been wrecked and welded and back together you want to make sure this particular car doesn't have a problem but as a general rule you just can't hardly go wrong with the corolla or the camry or the accord or the civic or any of those type vehicles Okay. All righty. So if you're getting something that's got 200,000 miles on it, that's not a big deal if it's been taken I care I would of. not be scared. Let's say you could find a 2005 model with 200,000 miles on it or 2006 model. I wouldn't be scared of that at all. Uh, we've been looking at 98. Well, and it's see, 2, yeah, when you, when you start right. getting back to 98 now, you got to be a little bit more careful because you're getting an older car. And right. again, when you only got 3500 to spend, I mean, I remember, it, it's really a shame. You know, I was probably 40 years old before I ever owned a car that cost more than $50. Right. <laughs> I mean, 50 bucks used to buy a pretty decent old used car. But with all the factors and things that have gone on, number one, the price of new cars has escalated so drastically that the price of used cars has come up. The cash for clunkers destroyed a lot of cars that might have made good used cars. On and on and on and on, the price of used cars has really gone up. The market is sort of a seller's market right now because folks are trying to buy those up. Now, there is one other alternative if you're handy or if you don't mind paying to have some work done. Many times you can find a car with a problem, a known problem. For instance, someone's got a Toyota and they've run it, did not change time belt. Time belt broke, took the motor out. Okay, you can buy those real cheap because they don't run and then put some sweat equity into it and get a real good car at a real low price. Right. You know, that's a possibility. You know, whatever you're looking at, you need to look at the maintenance for that vehicle. Mm-hmm. Because like Lewis was saying, a timing belt, that timing belt job is going to run you what? Well, anywhere from seven, seven, seven to nine hundred dollars, right. depending on what all you change while you're in there. So, it's so that's big. something to think about while you're looking at used you, you cars. You got to add that back into the expense of the car. Right. But to answer your original question, miles don't concern me a whole lot, particularly with the major Japanese cars like Toyotas and Hondas. They seem to be pretty good little cars. Yeah. Last a long time. Yeah, we've got 
so many of them were 200,000 miles that I can't even count it anymore. Several of them with 300 and a few of them with 400,000 still running. Gotcha. All righty. Okay. Sounds great. Thank you, much. Okay, man. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. 499-9526. A number of you want to be part of the Automotive Hour. We're going to take a quick little break, and we'll be right back with more. Ever plan to motor west? Travel my way. Take the highway. That's the best. For more details on an alien aircraft that landed in North America, we go to a press conference with General Toms. We have been able to communicate with the aliens using a special intergalactic code, and they are an inquisitive bunch. Uh, questions like, uh, is Carrot Top an android? Um, why are those birds so angry? Uh, and uh, who actually did put the bop in the bop shoe bop shoe bop? Sir, is it true they asked for a tow to Agco Automotive, the leader in car maintenance and repair? Yes, they actually explained to me about Agco and having repairs done for the overall lowest cost. They learned it all online at agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. It seems like across the universe, everyone knows that Agco is the place to go. Did they seek any more information? Yes, they were curious to know the mysteries of the turducken. Sir, I've often pondered those myself. Hey, welcome back. And just join us as the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Alzan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? 499-9526 is the answer. The, the number. The number. There you go. <laughs> the answer's on the other end. <laughs> Just give us a call. We're going to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. That was a good call that we had, the last one, with the used car. And I guess if you haven't shopped for a used car or a new car lately, boy, you're going to be in for a big, big surprise. Oh, Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Talk about sticker shot. Yeah, and what's out there is not very good at all. Well, and that's true of the used and the new. Sure. Uh, even the new stuff, boy, it's just, in my opinion, pretty pitiful. It and really is. I guess maybe that's one reason why we're so busy. Folks have realized that taking care and keeping your own car in running condition sure. is a far, far less expensive alternative than, than the others. Sure. But you got one that's paid for or almost paid for mm -hmm. now. Mm-hmm. It's a lot better than what you're going to get if you go out and buy a new one now. It is. It and is. It's a whole lot better than what's on the used market because mm -hmm. you know this vehicle. Mm -hmm. Depends on how long you've owned it. Most people own their the car they have for a long time. They know the maintenance behind it. They mm -hmm. know what's been done to it. That's right. So they just need a little guidance on what needs to be done to keep it going. You know, funny story. I had a fella not too too far back. I guess about a year ago he comes in and. He needs a timing belt and a set of tires on his car. So by the time he is, I said, well, that's more than old cars. Well, I'm just going to go sell it, and I'm going to get me something else. Okay. Okay, that's great. Well, on that particular car, timing belt was going to be about $800, and a set of tires was going to be about $600. All right, so about $1,400, $1,500. Could have been riding. But he went ahead and he bought a used Lexus, which he brought it in the other day to get a price on tires and it right. gone. And it's got 18-inch tires. Oh, so we're boy. talking 1400 bucks for a set of tires. Exactly. <laughs> He's like, oh, my God. I said, well, that's the car you bought, man. You had a reasonably inexpensive car to maintain. Sure. By comparison to this one. This one's got all the gadgets, bells, and whistles on there, but there is a price for all that stuff. That's right. It sure is. And, boy, when you start repairing it, which inevitably you will, there's a big, big, big difference. A lot of the new cars actually require synthetic oil, so you may be into a $100 oil change. You right. Check on that. Some of them do require premium fuel. So you're not going to be able to run the 
The 87. 87 you've you been running. You can right. be up to 91 octane, which is 30, 40, 50 cents more a gallon. Depends on where you shop. That's right. On and on and on and on and on. There's just some real, real expensive stuff there. Even when you buy a used car, many times what you're getting is a car that maybe has some other problems you're just not aware of. Correct. With your own vehicle, even with a major problem, for instance, lady was in just the other day, had a Honda Odyssey, transmission was out in it, which was pretty common on those cars, and it's a big repair up in the $3,000 range, but after she thought about it, she says, well, you know, I can put $3,000 on this one, get another three or four years out of it. I've got a new transmission. I know everything else is good on the car because I've been driving it. I bought it new. That's right. You know the maintenance behind That's it. That's correct. Now, you go buy a used car and you don't know that the transmission isn't fixing to go out now <laughs> exactly at least if you fix what is wrong with your current car and you've taken care of your current car then you know that everything else is okay other than what's wrong so you fix what's wrong and you can go and go and go that's right you're going to be by far better off to maintain what you have now we do get a lot of folks who come in and they have not taken care of their car. Got a little Toyota in the shop right now, burning oil really badly. Has not had all changes on it. Regularly, if at all, 130000 it needs an engine. Sure. You know, it's fouling the spark plugs out. It's pumping all actually puffing smoke as you drive down the road. So the difference in those folks who get the two to 300,000 miles, the folks who get to 130 and either have to put a new engine or buy a new car is just the maintenance in between. That's right. Do a little to save a lot. Well, that's exactly it. And it's unfortunate, but by the time you find out that you've messed up, it's, it's too really late. almost too late to do anything about it. Just take it as a lesson yeah. to use towards your next one. Well, that's right. You can just plank down forty grand for another car and don't and do it next that's time. That's right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> or, or 15 or 20 on a used one and don't do it next time. But you just can't stress. I know sometimes we sound like a broken record. And, you know, I had a, a guy on the Internet one time. He says, well, you know, I think shop's just trying to sell all changes. Well, you know, all changes is probably the least profitable job that a shop does. Sure. It takes more time yeah. than you can actually charge yeah, for it, it's if it's done correctly. Almost every shop loses money on all changes. Right. They do them as a courtesy to their customers. Some shops use them to get more people in there and try to sell them a bunch of other junk. But if you're a legitimate shop, you're not trying to sell a bunch of flushes and stuff like that, you'll probably lose money on every all change. So the last thing in the world that a shop is going to try to push on you is an all change. Sure. <laughs> They're going to make a whole lot more money rebuilding engines, changing engines, rebuilding transmissions, so on and so forth. They do change it all. Sure. So if anything, they're going to tell you, that, hey, sure, never change it all. You know, that's right. right. You'll be in here in about six years with need an engine. Yeah, that's right. Well, kind of like the automobile manufacturers do. Oh, no, you don't ever need to do anything. Well, but they're in the business selling cars. Sure. So you got to kind of look at what the incentive is behind the guy who's giving you the advice. And I've gone on a lot of professional forums and amateur forums, so on and so forth, and I have never met a professional mechanic yet who recommended those extended all changes. Well, they know better. They know they better. They see it every they day. They see it every day. That's you live, right. You live with it every day. That's <laughs> right. You do. Well, I mean, we got a shop full of them right oh, now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You just But by the time that you figure out that you've done the wrong thing, it's really too late to do anything about it because now you're into another motor. Right. Which is going to be a five, six thousand dollars Oh, yeah, very, very sizable investment. So just kind of a word to the wise there. If you can keep the old buggy that you got going, you're going to be way dollars ahead. Especially if it does what you want it to do, well, does yeah. what you need it to do. There's really no reason to get rid of it. Well, and Just keep it going. Kind of the key, I guess. If you don't like the car, which I have some people come in and say, I, oh, hate, they hate, them. I hate this car. I just hate this car. I don't like it. It's cramped. It rides bad. Doesn't just have don't the like, like it. Oh, hey, yeah. Life's too short. Get rid of it. 
That's right. Get something you like, man. That's right. Don't be miserable. But, it, but by the you, same token, if this gets you everywhere you want to go, does everything you want, it's going to do everything that a 2012 will do. Oh, exactly. But just beware, when you buy a used car, you really need to get it checked by a professional. That's right. Somebody and, who knows what they're looking for. And if you buy a new car, just be aware of what it is that you're purchasing. Exactly. Uh, because, you know, there are things in there. And I would, you know, the government is so hell-bent on regulating every facet of our life. I'd like to see them come out with a actual cost of ownership on this thing over the period of 150,000 miles. Yeah. You've you seen the new commercial for the Hyundai. Uh-huh. They got the booth, you know, oh, I love this car. Yeah, it's yeah. a great car. Yeah. I want to know about the 07 model yeah. that's got 200,000 miles yeah, on. That's what, the one I want to know that's about. That's right. That's the one you know about. Because yeah, you hear all these this rating and this rating, initial vehicle initial. owner quality. Well, yeah, well, you just bought a car. You're going to love it. It sm- yeah. smells good, rides good. Hey, you slap down 40 grand? Yeah. Well, you're not going to say you're not well, good. You know, who's going to admit to a mistake like that? Not me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not the love. That's it. And really, most vehicles will make it to around 100. Sure they will. With very, with very little, little maintenance. But the problem is, after that point, you're not going to have much to work on. And Unfortunately, that 100000 slips up on you real, real fast. It does. And you're just not quite ready to plank down another forty grand for well, another car. And then you're going to go out and you're going to finance out five, six, seven years. Yeah. So by the time that six, seven years rolls around, you yeah. just get done with your car note. Yeah. And bam. Oh, time for another one. That's it. <laughs> no one be got. That, exactly. Like, like a big old big lighter. You just use it up and throw it away. You know? Yeah. <laughs> well, if you can afford to do that, then, yeah, then that's a good plan for you, I sure. guess. But. Most of us can't afford to do that. I can't afford to do that. No, I've got And I know how to work on them. Well, that's right. <laughs> I, I fixed my own. I can't afford that. But I drive a truck. My pickup is uh, 10 years old. I right. still have a new truck. Yeah. You know, guys, when you get a new truck, I said, about another 10 years, maybe. Maybe. 15. You know, it's about 25 years old. It'll be about time for another truck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe I'll push it a little bit beyond that. And last one I had was 76 miles. There you go. <laughs> and the only reason I sold out was because I got about four times what it was worth for it. That's it. <laughs> I'd still be driving the blasted thing. <laughs> hey, let's take one more quick little break, and we'll be right back with more. There are reports of alien aircraft landing across the nation. For more, we go to field reporter Jack McClinn. Dave, the alien ship has malfunctioned, and they're actually communicating with General Toms via intergalactic code. I see. Your ship is broken down. You want to be taken to our leader, the president? Oh, to Agco Automotive, the leader in car maintenance and repair, where they don't just work on cars, they fix them. Sir, he's correct. You can trust the honest, knowledgeable team at Agco to do the job right. Sergeant, it looks like we're dealing with some highly evolved life form. Dave, I'll sign off for now, but it seems that across the universe, everyone knows that Agco is the place to go. And if you want to learn more, go to agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Wait, there's another question. What is it, General? Well, they heard Demi Moore's back on the market and want her phone number. Like you said, a highly evolved life form. Loud noise of the river to ride. Don't mind it, cause the man with the whiskers has a lot behind him. Hey, but welcome back. He's joining us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Alexander, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, want to give us calls? 499-9526. Hey, we may be having some trouble with our phone line, so if you call and it just rings and rings and rings, please just call right back. I some of the calls are getting through, but most of them may not be, so Right, so just keep trying. Just keep trying. We'll get that worked out for you just as quick as we possibly can. Last week, we kind of briefly mentioned a vehicle that came in, and that was a Chevy pickup. Seemed like it was an 06 or 07 with a loud squeak. 
and knocking noise under the vehicle. And gentleman was pretty concerned about it. I think he'd had it one or two mm. places before and yeah, couldn't okay. find it. And what we found was the body mount cushions were completely missing on the vehicle. Right. There's a cushion on the top between the frame and the body. Right. And then there's a bolt and a cushion on the bottom that hold it all together. Right. Well, the bolt and the cushion on the bottom were gone. Right. All six of them under the cab. Yeah. It was strange. You'd hit a bump and you'd hear a big noise. You never did feel it, but you could hear it. And it was it was a very strange noise. Yeah. Got it up on the rack and got to looking around and noticed that one of the bolts was missing. Yeah. Well, that's strange. And so I checked the other five, and they were gone, too. <laughs> they were gone as well. I, I never did figure out why they were gone. Yeah, and you could see they had been in there at one point they in had. time because it was a shiny spot where the bush had rubbed on the frame. Right. And just, I guess, ironically enough, this week we had a Chrysler come in. It and was missing one. Missing bolt and cushion on it right it was missing the whole piece on it yeah so making some noise the the subframe was knocking underneath the, yeah, the vehicle just really really strange something you might want to watch out for right okay we're gonna go through our phone lines. let's see a couple of folks have gotten through i think they've got robert online good morning robert hey good morning Lucas. how are you guys doing morning? great sir good morning hey guys listen i've got a and i want to comment on what you were talking about the used cars uh -huh. in a minute i have a 2005 a Z71 Chevy. Yes, sir. And, uh, you know, it's been a very good vehicle. I've got 125,000 miles mm -hmm. on it. Yes, sir. And I've had one little issue, which which is going to tie in with what I want to say about the cars later on. Yes, sir. The little the driver's side vents, when you run an air conditioner, mm -hmm. they go into heat sometimes. Yes, sir. And I've had it fixed before, and I was called, it's called an air actuator. Or yes, sir. A, That's one thing that causes that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, you know, Back when I had the trouble with it, the vehicle was under warranty. Mm -hmm. And, of course, I took it in in the dealership, and they took care of it. I am mm -hmm. now on my third time of this happening again, and, of course, it's not in warranty anymore. Yes, sir. So, mm -hmm. You know, I'm kind of leery as to whether or not I should take it back to the dealer because, obviously, they didn't fix it right the first two times. So, And from what I understand, it's a, it's a pretty expensive procedure Depending on if they have well, to the left side is not too bad. It's fairly easy to get mm -hmm. to, about an hour's job to reach. And the part is kind of pricey, about $230 for the part. However, it could be, and it's very likely, that the problem is getting misdiagnosed. Okay. What they're now, doing, see, there's a number of things that can cause that, not just the actuator. Okay. Now, when you disconnect the actuator and you clear the system, let's say you've got a fault in the control head or a loose connection or a low voltage in the system somewhere, which has made it lose its reference signal. When you disconnect the actuator and reconnect it, it's going to basically reboot, so it's going to work for a while. Okay. So it is assumed that you fix the problem by changing the actuator, whereas in reality, you hadn't fixed anything. All you've done is spend a bunch of the man's money changing the part that didn't need to be changed. See, so it could very well be that the problem is getting misdiagnosed. That is pretty common on those to do that. What happens is that that system will self-boot when power is disconnected from it. And not to bore you to death with detail, but basically the way that it works, it's a stepper motor with a little rheostat attached. And what it does, it measures the voltage, and by the voltage, it knows what position the door is in. Oh, I understand. I did do a little bit of reading mm -hmm. on it online, Lewis, and I and I did read something about how they actually have to calibrate this. That is uh, correct. When they hook it back up, and well, and, and see, I didn't know if that was something I could do or not. It was it was kind of a lengthy procedure. Well, it's pretty it simple. Out. If you go to my website and just type in actuator, it's going to bring up an article on the subject. It'll tell you how to do the base recalibration yourself. Beyond that, you can hook a Tech Two scan tool to it and recalibrate it, which may be what the dealer did the first time around. 
But if it loses its reference voltage, for instance, it's zero to five volts. Five volts is all the way one way, zero volts is all the way the other way, and two and a half volts is in the center. All right. Okay. Let's say you have a bad alternator, which is causing some voltage fluctuations in the system. Mm -hmm. That can scramble the thing and it can keep losing Uh, its calibration. Let's say you got a temporary battery cable in that somebody put on the car. That mm-hmm. can cause voltage to fluctuate and cause it to screw up. So you're only dealing with five volts, and, I mean, a couple of ohms of resistance in the wrong place is going to change the calibration, so it's going to keep messing up. Well, I, I really believe it's out of calibration, and I'll tell you why. I'm mm-hmm. driving the vehicle now, and it started doing this roughly about two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know the quick fix is to pull over, shut the engine, and restart it. And right. It starts blowing cool again. Right. What I have figured out is if I run that left side heat selector about midways up. Yes, sir. In other words, it'll it quits doing it. Yes, that's exactly it, right. It's going to occur when you had one extreme or the other. It's cold. Ice cold right now. Yeah. Right. And it shouldn't be doing that. Well, yeah, what's going to happen, Robert, is when you are at one extreme or the other is when it's going to force it to check calibration. That's when it's going to occur. Okay. Normally, if you leave it right in the center, it'll work okay for quite a while. Yeah, I mean, it has it, you know, but every now and then I'll move it back down to cold. Yeah, if you go all the way down or all the way up, that's when yeah. it's going to act up. Because yeah. what it does, it starts looking for counts, and it can't get the proper number of counts. So then it scrambles a little brain, it loses calibration, it starts moving to the wrong position, moves it to hot when it should be in cold. So that tells you that this could possibly just be a calibration issue? Could very well be, yes, sir. And like I say, just go on my, on my website. Just type in actuator in the search bar. Find the okay. article. There's two of them on there. One of them will tell you how to recalibrate it. Okay, I'll check that out. And one more thing, I mm-hmm. want to get chime in on the people buying used cars. Yes, sir. Cars. You know, I'm a firm believer in buying a vehicle and run that car if you absolutely just want another vehicle. Mm-hmm. That's uh, right. That's, that's the it, only reason to ever buy a new car. And, and you know, and if people want to buy a new car, mm-hmm. they can do like I did with the vehicle I'm in now. It's mm-hmm. paid for. When I, when I paid the vehicle off, mm-hmm. I, I kept paying myself. Yeah. I do the same thing. Same note. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, sooner or later, you just get that dumb tired of driving. Well, that's right. That's right. One. Get tired and of the car, and you're, whatever. And you're, you're ahead of the game, and then you sell your car. You try to sell it rather than trade it in, mm-hmm. and you can cash in on a, a few more thousand dollars sometimes. That's right. And I, that's how you don't beat the game, but that's how you tolerate the game. <laughs> that's how you play the game. Well, you know, it's their so, world. We're just trying to live in it, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, guys, look, I appreciate you. Okay, Rob. Your show is good, and I listen to it every Saturday. So well, great. y'all keep it up. All, All right, right, Robert. Thanks for calling me. Thank you. Okay, Bye-bye. Uh-huh. All right, we're going back to our phone lines with Doug. Good morning, Doug. Good morning, Lewis. I've got a quick question I want to ask you. I have a 2001 Chevrolet Silverado okay. pickup truck, uh-huh. and it's happened twice. When I get in the car, start it up in the and then my fuel light will come on, okay. and my gauge is showing all the way to empty. Then all of a sudden, it kicks back over to full, yes, sir. and the light goes out. Yes, what sir. is the problem? Doug, that is almost always going to be the cinder unit in the fuel tank. The reason I'm saying that is because if the light is clicking on, it's not going to be the gauge. The gauges give a lot of trouble, and the gauge can do that as well, but it won't set the light off because it, the light and the gauge are both taking a signal from the cinder unit in the tank. So almost every time that is going to be the sender unit inside the fuel tank. How many miles you got on it? 217. Uh, is that the original fuel pump? Uh, yes, it is. Okay, wow, well. You got a good one. Yeah, you got a good you one. You got a good one. You <laughs> probably going to be putting a fuel pump on it for too much longer. Yeah. I hate to say that, but you might want to just wait until the fuel pump goes out to address it. 
because you got to drop the tank either way, and you can buy a complete fuel pump with a cinder unit, almost as cheap as you can buy just a cinder unit. So, okay. you know, unless it just really, really aggravates you, I'd probably just wait till the fuel pump goes out and then change the pump and the module, and you'll fix the problem. Well, Lewis, I expect to keep this to 500000 Oh, yeah. So take good maintenance on my vehicle. I'm a machinist by trade. There you go. So I realize you have to keep good products like, you know, good oil and change it very frequently. Uh, not they say seven thousand, but look, I, I yeah. change mine at every three thousand. Oh, it's, absolutely. Depends on the way you drive. I mean, if you put, let's say, your average trip is seventy-five miles, you live in one town, work in another, you could probably push it out to four or five, pretty safe. But right. if you like most people, and your average trip is five, ten miles, man, that's that's a sucker's game. You're gonna you are gonna spend so much money maintaining right. this car, you're never gonna save it back on all changes. I guarantee well, I tell you. you. I tell you, Lewis, I like this truck real well. Mm -hmm. And I've already decided whenever it gets to where it costs a lot more mm -hmm. to maintain it than uh, it's worth, I'm just going to take it down and, and get somebody to put in, probably y'all, yeah. put a new transmission and motor at the same time. Well, it's and you know, you can probably keep that truck running almost forever. I've got a good customer of mine who's a pilot for FedEx, and being a pilot, he's kind of notorious for maintenance. I mean, he really keeps care of it, well, takes all his maintenance. He got three and a quarter on a 96 Suburban. Wow. And he took it to Colorado and back. That's how dependable it is. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, the vehicle that you're going to get to replace it is probably not going to be as good as the one you got. They built some of the best vehicles they ever built, mid-90s up to the mid-2000s. And then right. after 07 is when, in my opinion, they really started kind of going back down. Right. Well, right. look, I appreciate it. Uh, and enjoy this great stuff we have today. Boy, it's beautiful, isn't it? It is beautiful, brother. Thank you, man. You have a good day. Yes, Thank you sir. so much, Lewis. Thank Appreciate you, man. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Okay, we're going back to our phone lines with Jonathan. Good morning, Jonathan. Hey, man. How's it going, Lewis? Doing great, sir. Uh, quick question. I got a 01 F-150 with the 5.4 Triton motor in it. Yes, sir. And do you know if that's the one that's notorious for the plugs breaking <laughs> off in the box? It depends, Jonathan, if it's a two-valve or a three-valve, and it came with both. What year model was it? I'm sorry. It's an 01. 01 is probably going to be a two-valve. I think they started the three-valve in 03. I wouldn't swear to that. But if you go on my website and just type in spark plug, it'll bring up an article. And not only will it tell you what years are affected, it'll show you how you can tell the difference in the vehicles because the valve covers are shaped differently. Right. Okay. And it'll tell you all about it. That's probably going to be a two-valve on, okay. on 01, but I wouldn't swear to that. I think the problem started in either 02 or 03 and ran till about 08. After that, okay. they started putting the one-piece plugs in them. Go to the website, just search the spark plug, and you'll find a real nice article. It tells you all about it, how it works, what the problem is, shows you pictures of it and all that. Also has a chart telling you what years are affected and how to tell them apart. Okay, and that particular year, do you know if the fuel filter is right there on the frame under the driver's yes, door? It is, should yeah, be. It's not under the door. It's kind of back, I think, by the gas tank more. Somewhere, be okay. somewhere between the gas tank right. and, the, and the front. I haven't looked at it yet. I'm about to start tearing into it. Do you know if it needs a special wrench for that fuel filter? Some of, not a wrench, but some a of those quick connect. Some of those have a special tool you have to use, and in some of them you just push the, it, the clip is either blue or green. Okay. And you don't pry it out. You actually push it in to release right. it and undo the the line from the filter. Mm -hmm. If okay. you pry yeah, it out, it, you're going to break it. Yeah. And if you break it, then I think those little clips are available from Ford. Man, you got to watch. Sure. Some of them are available. Some you got to buy a whole new fuel line right. to get it. You got to be, be real careful. Right. So you might just Google it and see. Somebody will tell you. I think it's the FG986B filter on there. Okay. And like you say, I think you just push in on them and it releases. You pull it out. But... People get kind of crazy and take a screwdriver in there and pry it out, and they break the clip. 
And I know at one time you couldn't get the clip separate. You had to buy a new fuel line. But I think Ford may have made those clips available since we, then. We got a we clip got one the other day for, for a Ford. Guy. It actually came in. The fuel line was taped on with black tape holding the clips together. <laughs> it's, I was waiting for it to pop off while I had it on the rack. That's it's, right. It was real yeah. sketchy, but we got it fixed. Yep. One other question. Sure. I have a little work car. It's a little 03 Chevy Cavalier. It's uh -huh. got the little 2.2 Ecotech in it. Uh -huh. Right on the top where the fuel rail comes into the top of the motor and, and one of those connections there, I'm leaking a little bit of fuel. Is that typically just an O-ring? or? Yeah, it depends on where it's leaking. It, there's a fuel pressure regulator on that line. It may be leaking at the regulator itself, in which case you have to change the regulator. Okay. Just now, if it's where the line goes into the rail, there's an O-ring in there, and then there's O-rings where they attach to the injectors and another set of O-rings where the injectors go into the motor. Okay, you know, it's leaking more towards the regulator, so probably just replace the regulator. Yes, sir, well, pro probably so. Take that vacuum line off the regulator. Uh -huh. If you have any fuel in that vacuum line at all, the regulator's broke. Right. If you, and if it'll, you pull the vacuum line off leak. and gas drips out, then the okay, regulator's I, definitely that, bad. It sounds like what it is because when it's idling, you smell the fuel. You know, you can smell it. Yeah. But as long as you're going, it's got a good vacuum going. It, you know, it, it doesn't leak it. It doesn't leak at all. Mm -hmm. But uh, mm -hmm. it's just when it sits idle, you can start smelling it and telling that it's leaking. Yeah. So, yeah, and it's actually pulling more fuel into the engine than it needs to. Yeah, it may make it hard to start at times. May cause yeah. it to flood. Make okay. it yeah, because I notice every now and it, it'll it'll want to idle rough and want to shut itself off. So yeah, I'd check and yeah. make sure that rail that um, regulator's, regulator's not, not leaking. leaking. Okay, all right, good. Well, appreciate it. Okay, all right, man. sir. Thank you, back. Yes, sir. Thank you. Hi, 499-9526 number. If you want to report on the Automotive Eye, we would love to have you. We're going to take one last quick little break and be right back with more. There are reports of alien aircraft landing across the nation. For more, we go to field reporter Jack McClin. Dave, the alien ship has malfunctioned, and they're actually communicating with General Toms via intergalactic code. I uh, see. Your ship is broken down. You want to be taken to our leader, the president? Oh, to Agco Automotive, the leader in car maintenance and repair, where they don't just work on cars, they fix them. Sir, he's correct. You can trust the honest, knowledgeable team at AGCO to do the job right. Sergeant, it looks like we're dealing with some highly evolved life form. Dave, I'll sign off for now, but it seems that across the universe, everyone knows that AGCO is the place to go. And if you want to learn more, go to agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Wait, there's another question. What is it, General? Well, they heard Demi Moore's back on the market and won her phone number. <laughs> like you said, a highly evolved life form. Welcome back. If you just join us, this is Louis Aldazan, president of Agco Automotive. This is the Automotive Hour you're listening to. And, of course, my lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, is right here with me in the co-pilot seat. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any questions you might have. Why don't you go give us calls, 499-9526, and we'll be glad to try to get you an answer. We're going right back to our phone lines with Chantel. Good morning, Chantel. Good morning. Yes, Good morning. Um, I just want to say I get up at 9 in the morning, and I listen to WJBO, uh -huh. and I heard your show, and at first I was like, a whole show about cars, but um, your show is really amazing. I love you guys. You guys are so nice. You're funny, and you're so informative. Well, thank you. I really you. appreciate that you have a show like this to help people out with cars. Well, thank you. Um, you're welcome. I was wondering if you guys know, um, my mom recently sent me a link, a government link about cars that you can get really cheap, like um, the government auctions off cars. You know yes, ma'am. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Do you guys know how you can tell if it's legit, the legit 
the legit site from the not legit site? Well, you can you can contact the General Service Administration, GSA, and they handle those auctions. To be honest with you, Chantel, I've been to a few of them. I have never been able to purchase a car there. They always okay. seem to go for a higher price than I could have bought the car somewhere else just because they are widely advertised and they have them, or at least they used to have them, over on Sherwood Forest in South Choctaw, you know what a GSA facility is there? Yes. And I went to three or four of them, and I had a number in mind of what the car was worth, and when it went for double that, I just kind of <laughs> right. backed out. But, I mean, you can contact GSA and I think get on their mailing list, and they'll send you a notification when the auctions come up. But for the most part, folks go to those things who are looking for maybe – certain parts of a car or whatever, and because the parts of a car can be worth more than the whole car at times, it's just worth more to them than it is to you and I. Okay. But, I mean, it wouldn't hurt to just try check it out and see. Okay, and do you know, like, if the if you go to a website and they ask for money, is, should they ask for money? Is, no, no, there, no, there would be no money would change hands whatsoever. If they're asking for money, it's probably a scam. Okay, I thank you guys so much. You guys are really awesome. I, like, once again, I really appreciate what you do. Well, thanks. Thank you. We appreciate you listening. Thank you. Bye-bye. Going back to our phone lines. Jonathan, good morning, Jonathan. Hey, man. I just talked to you about the F-150. I yes, forgot sir. to ask you a different uh -huh. question. Sure. I also have an O2 Dodge, Dodge Grand Caravan, my uh -huh. wife's fan. Uh-huh. And it's making that notorious knocking noise that these Dodge Caravans make. It's not coming from the motor. And it's coming from some – I've heard it more so when it's idled in, uh, in, in drive. And you can sit there and you can put it in park, and sometimes it'll get softer but then louder, and it's – Sounds like it's coming from a pulley, but I cannot find that noise for the light. I'll tell you one thing that is notorious for making that noise, Jonathan, that is the clutch on the alternator pulley. That thing has actually a clutch built into the alternator pulley, and like when you turn the engine off, it's supposed to freewheel, and under uh -huh. other circumstances, like on accelerate and decel, it lets it freewheel. Those are notorious for making that noise, and it does require a special tool to replace it. Okay, so, so it... it would, it, would the alternator need to be replaced or just that? No, we can change just the pulley, but you do have to have a special tool made by Miller Tools to get it off because of the way it's put on there. You can't, okay. the average do-it-yourself is not going to be able to do it in the tools about 150 bucks. So you might want to just take it to a shop, have it replaced. But i tell you how you can isolate that real easy. It's just temporarily remove the serpentine belt, crank it up and see if the noise is gone. Okay. And if it is, grab that pulley by hand and kind of wobble it back and forth and see if you can duplicate the noise. It sounds like it sounds like you hit the nail on the head with, mm -hmm. with that because it, that thing drives me absolutely crazy, <laughs> and I could not track the noise down for the life of it. Yeah, it's it's not something people are used to a clutch on the alternator, right. but it's on there. <laughs> Just uh, beware if you take that belt off, draw your little diagram yeah. of how it's routed before you take it off, or look under the hood. There's usually a diagram yeah, make sure you of the routing. Been look, there, done that. Okay, yeah. great. I say because you can put them on backwards and, um, and turn turn things wrong. Accessories backwards. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys, I appreciate okay. it. Thank All right, you, sir. man. Bye-bye. All right, 499-9526, number if you want to be part of the Automotive Hour. And we've got David online. Good morning, David. Hey, how you doing? Doing great, good sir. Morning. Good, good. I, I've got a car with a, about 200. Uh, it's a Buick LeSabre, uh -huh. 2003, with yes, 229,000. Okay. And someone said you should never change a transmission fluid. I had a little soft kick about a, a 15 and 25. Uh -huh. so I went ahead and changed it, and now it feels like the, the transmission is about ready to fall out. Yeah, and changing I, the fluid didn't do it, David. It was just on the way out, and you happen to change the fluid. Changing the fluid can't ever hurt a car if it's done properly. 
Right. However, it's not going to fix a problem that exists either. Changing the fluid yeah. is strictly maintenance to prevent a problem. I've heard that old argument, oh man, look, if you hadn't changed it, you don't do it. That's like saying, I hadn't brushed my teeth in two years, so I'm not ever going to do it again. Yeah, you know, but, but it's kicking, so, I mean, it was just yeah, a slight in this period, just periodically now. Well, I you got to remember, it, Dave, depending on who serviced it and what they did, there are things you can do wrong in a service that can make it much worse. For instance, there's a seal where the filter goes into the valve body, and if that seal is cut or damaged, it'll start sucking air there, and it'll get a lot worse. Right. It could have possibly put the wrong fluid or inferior grade fluid in it, I mean, there's a lot of things could have knocked a wire off of a solenoid in the pan. So when you do a service, it's real easy to mess up. Now, did they do a proper service where they dropped the pan, changed the filter, or they just did a flush? Oh, no, they dropped the pan and, okay. and changed the filter. Yeah, well, you know, it, it's possible that something got knocked around, but more likely it was just going out anyway, and it just happened to get worse at that time. I doubt that service done properly is not ever going to make it any worse. It's just not right. going to fix it. Yeah, yeah. But that's not really – my question mm -hmm. really is, what's your recommendation with a car that many miles? How much is it to rebuild a transmission or get a new one in a well, car you, that Well, you can't get a new one. Uh, the only way to get a new transmission is buy a new car. Everything is rebuilt. Okay. To rebuild, that's a 4T65E. Depends on what's torn up in it. You're going to probably be somewhere between $1,800 and $2,500 rebuild it properly. Now, there's also the option of maybe finding a used one somewhere with a lot lower mileage on it. You know, there's lots and lots and lots of those cars out there. You may find something with 100,000 miles on it for not too much money and just get it swapped out, yeah. which would let you get going down the road a little more. And you could possibly repair the problem you're talking about, but to go in and do a repair, you're going to spend a lot of money, and you still got a transmission with 230-plus thousand on it. You know, it's kind of like right. doing a heart transplant on a man 110 years old. Yeah. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, so a car that's that age, you'd recommend just trying to get a, a used one? I would probably look for a, trans, a used transmission if I could find one. And like I said, that transmission is not great to start with, and the newer ones are worse. I've got a 2005 Park Avenue, same transmission. I had to rebuild mine at 89000 Right, right. And it, and it was babied. <laughs> I'm an old man. I don't, I don't haul around in it, you know. But, yeah. Uh, now, someone said maybe if you just did the backwash, maybe there was something in it, or you don't think that's going to do any good. No, no, no. no. Uh, a flush can only make it, it worse. Out. Yeah, I think yeah. it was going out. That's why it was bumping, and it just went out some more, you know? Right. The Barring that they bumped something around or changed something when they were in there working, which if it was a professional shop, I kind of doubt. But one thing you could just try, David, is to put another quart of fluid in it, even if it's full. Because if the filter seal is leaking and you dump another course to cover that seal up, if it gets immediately better, then you might want to drop it and have them check that seal again. And it's not going to hurt it to put another quart of fluid in there. It's not going to overflow or, or blow out the transmission or anything. So just try and maybe dump another quart of fluid in there and see if it gets better. Hey, I'm sorry we are just totally out of time. We'll tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening this morning, every Saturday morning on Automotive Hour. That's right. You still have a question, go to our website and send it Lewis an email. He'll get it to you, get your question back, right. answered back to you. That's right. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week and mm -hmm. tell your friends and give yeah. it, go on the site and give us a rating. Yeah, go on iTunes give us a written rating if you don't mind. That really helps our standings on iTunes and helps us get out to more people. That's it. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.